Welcome to the CDC Podcast, Minisode 15. With me again for Halloween is my associate from Pop Matters, Nick DiNicola. Hello there. And in case you don't know what we do here on these Minisodes, we take games that we feel aren't getting critical attention that we feel they deserve. And our hope is that someone that happens to be listening will play them and agree with us, and then write about them. The games mentioned here will range from H.E.O. art games to prestige-level indie games, right on through to AAA games that everybody skipped for some reason. There's a whole lot of games out there, so we tried to highlight the ones nobody talks about. And since it's October, we decided to be traditionalists, and this is going to be our horror-themed episode. So, Nick, start us off. Okay, so... The game I want to talk about is Downfall by Harvester Games. And I think this game works very well, has a companion piece to their other game called The Cat Lady. And it's an interesting kind of history. Like, The Cat Lady is the second game that they made, but it was the first one on Steam. And then in, like, 2015, Downfall finally came out on Steam, and I played it then. But what makes them work is that they explore depression and suicide from different points of view. I'd say the cat lady puts you into the shoes of someone who is suicidal and makes you think like them and understand sort of that frame of mind. But what Downfall does is it puts you in the shoes of someone who is in love with someone with depression and explores the horror of that. Basically, you play as Joe, and Joe is married to Ivy. Ivy suffers from depression and uh, resulting bulimia. And so they are married and they decide to go to a hotel, you know, somewhere because their marriage is kind of strained. And as you would expect to happen in a horror game, things go wrong. The next morning, Ivy disappears and Joe has to go through the surreal and symbolic hell in order to rescue her. It's all very Silent Hill-esque. So the main thrust of the game is Joe has to kill this little girl called Sophie. Or he has to kill different incarnations of this little girl named Sophie. And so it progresses in a linear way. Each incarnation of Sophie represents a different part of Ivy's illness. There's one that is depressed, and she's just curled up on a chair in a fetal position. There's one that is bulimic and feels too self-conscious about herself to go tell this guy she likes him. Another one is this overweight woman that is just leaning up against the side of a bathroom surrounded by other overweight women who have all killed themselves. And so each of these different incarnations is like a different way of how Ivy sees herself. And by killing them, the hope is that you're kind of killing her illness. And it's an interesting symbolic journey because Joe doesn't suffer from depression. And a lot of times he tries to minimize it in Ivy. And so the way that you kill these girls gets increasingly more violent. And so it becomes this this chance for Joe to take out all of his anger on these little girls. All of the, the strain that this depression has caused on his marriage, he's taking it out in these increasingly violent ways. The game walks a very fine line between us being sympathetic towards Joe even as he gets more and more violent, because, hey, these are just symbolic incarnations of a girl. They're not real people. But where the game really succeeds is that it manages us to not be too sympathetic to Joe, because what it ultimately wants to be about is that for someone who knows someone with depression, ultimately we are not the one with that illness. 
we are not the ones that have to go through that. And so whatever anger Joe has, at the end of the day, he's not really the one suffering the most. And the game plays around with that idea in some really interesting and horrific ways. And it manages to create this protagonist that begins sympathetic and then slowly you know, goes through a downfall. And I think that has a companion piece to the Cat Lady, it works particularly well because that game introduces this concept of parasites and, like, what that means to society. What type of person are you that you, like, leech off society? And in the end, I think Joe proves himself to be one of those parasites. And so to get that full story and that full symbolic meaning, you should play both games. But Downfall is just a very, a very well-written very thoughtful, very nuanced look at what it's like to live with someone with depression, but at the same time to evoke sympathy for someone in that role, but also to put kind of a, a slap on the wrist and say, hey, ultimately you are not the one suffering the most, so don't make yourself out to be the greater victim. I take it it's just as gross and horrible and monochromatic as the cat lady. Uh, yes, it, it definitely is. It is... It's very horror in the vein of Silent Hill, Will, where there's some very grotesque imagery. And, like, it's the stuff that really stays with you. And, but, again, like, like the Cat Lady, what I really love about it is it wallows in a lot of these dark ideas. But, ultimately, what the message is is very positive. Like, it's not out to make you depressed. It's out to kind of educate you about depression and leave you feeling kind of more capable in the world. Okay. And we'll move on to my game, which I'm reading off the prompter, because if I just said it, I'll get it wrong every time. <laughs> Nick knows every time I try and say this title. It's Stories Untold, which unfortunately, because of the logo and the font they use, I will say Stranger Things every single time if I don't read it. Stories Untold is it's a horror text adventure, or rather, it's a series of horror text adventures a collection of them, as you will, in the vein of, of the classics, except you look at screens, you type things in, and you enact like, you go through like regular text adventure things, and they change up the formula with each successive little, well, they call them chapters. You start off normally like you're entering this house, and it's a, it's a take on the haunted house scenario, and it's just like, enter door, the lights are out, so you have to go out the back and turn on the generator, so you can turn on the lights and continue through the house. The second one is like you're performing scientific medical experiments on this thing that was found in a crashed alien spaceship, and it's a base on like the alien autopsy horror story where the alien isn't dead, and then the next one is like you're at this, it's riffing on the thing, you're at this this outpost in Greenland, and you have to enter in these codes based off of cues that are given over the radio, based off of this complicated manual that you have on microfilm. And then the fourth one, the less said about it, the better. But the first three are <laughs> really interesting. And the reason Nick is laughing is because we did a whole podcast on this, but... Before the podcast, I looked around to see what people had written about it, and I found a review in Rock's Paper Shotgun, and that was it. So the thing is, it's yeah, it's a text adventure, but it's doing a lot of fascinating things with the text adventure form. Because the thing is, it's not just text on a screen. It's actually you playing a character in the world at a desk looking at a screen, but there's also other stuff on the desk. It's like you are portraying a character playing these text adventures, and that actually, with some of the things the game, 
does, especially the first one of these adventures, it actually matters, and it actually ratchets the tension up very expertly. And they have their own riffs on the horse. It eventually becomes more interesting, and in some cases I wish these things were standalone games rather than a, a composite that had to like rely on one another to do things, because each one is a very nice short story tone piece that does interesting formal things in how to get scares out of you or how to develop the story or how to just ins create a variation on these well-worn horror subgenres. Nick, help me out here, because like a lot of good terror is based on surprise, and then the horror coming from what this that terror represents, and uh, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a game that you, you want to give away, because it, especially the first three stories, a lot of the horror, and I guess a lot of the thriller aspects of it come from not knowing where it's going, because each of these stories feels like a very, very different type of story like you've got a, a ghost story then you've got more of kind of an eerie laboratory sci-fi story and then you've got like a thing type story and so each of them feels very distinct and like you said there's this meta aspect to it where you're a guy at a desk looking at a screen and typing something in and the game plays around with that in various ways in each of these three stories and so it's it never repeats itself and that's probably the most impressive thing, is that it is a consistently clever experimentation in text adventuring. And each chapter is isolated from the other, so it's not like you're going to be missing items or any of those things. Each chapter is rather self-contained, and each chapter is rather short, like half an hour apiece, I think. Yeah, about that, yeah. So it, they don't get, the adventures don't get over complex. They don't fall into any of those traps that text adventures are, were notorious for back in the day. And... In fact, it's up to the. It was up to the point that I make the comment that I think this is more. I think the genre term is now IF for interactive fiction rather than text adventure, which denotes certain uh, tropes and uh, construction of a game as like a, a series of nonsensical puzzles. So, still, a horror game told basically through text. That right there has to be worth a look at the very least. All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for coming on. Always happy to talk horror games. <laughs> that was the CDC Podcast. If you enjoyed this and all the other episodes that we have in our feed, please rate and review us on iTunes. I love feedback. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to know, am I doing a good job or how I can improve? And if you like all the projects we do at Critical Distance, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash critdistance. And we'd like to give a special thanks to certain members of our Patreon, like Ashkandi. Brendan V, David K, Joe O, Nathan G, Ted D, and Thien A. Thank you again for supporting Critical Distance. It is super appreciated. And thank you again, Nick, for saving my ass and coming on at the last minute. I am always called away. Yeah, it's been a blast. <laughs>